You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled The Days of Our Lives, Part 5. Enjoy. Chain broken, every captive set free. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you, Jesus, for leading us forward in you this morning. Thank you for your light shining brightly in us, for showing us the, the certainty of your plan for our lives, for showing us the riches of our inheritance in you, and for showing us the surpassing greatness of the resurrection power in us who believe. Holy Spirit, we thank you for speaking this morning as only you can do, and for meeting every need in this place. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Highway Church, we're a little different. We want you to know that, that we want you to, to, to take your religious glasses off and to not be concerned about sacraments or stained glass windows, per se. We want you to enter into a relationship with Jesus and to realize that God loves you and He wants you personally to know Him. He wants you to walk through each day of your life in conversation, in relationship with Him. So tomorrow morning when you get up, God, God's right there wanting to help you, wanting to show you things, right? Wanting to teach you how to make omelets, right, for Valerie and Casey, right? Wanting to help you out in different ways, wanting, wanting to encourage you, Linda, right? Wanting to strengthen you, Eric, right? Wanting to uh, guide you into the amazing things that he has for us. And he does that in a number of ways. He does that by his spirit in conjunction, in concert with his word. And that's one way to know when you're hearing from God. It will always line up with the scriptures, with Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. So we're right in the middle. Well, actually, we're a little more towards the end of a light-producing, a life-giving series we called The Days of our lives. And we're talking about our worldview, how we see the world we're living in, and how we live in the world we're living in. And I want you to know that as disciples of Christ, our worldview is not political. Our worldview is not religious. We see people, we see the world through the eyes of Jesus. We see the world through the promises of God. We know that God loves everybody and that God gave His Son so that everybody could be saved, could enter into a real relationship with Him. So it's important to understand that when we talk about worldview. It's spiritual, not natural. We realize that if people are going to overcome the issues of this life, they're going to need answers that are much, much more powerful than man's political ideas and man's religion. They're going to need the life of God. And God's Word is life. And, and, and I encourage you, again, to make sure you, you get a hold of a, a paper Bible. And the re one of the reasons for that is, I mean, I have a number of Bibles on my phone, a number of translations. I have Bible software and all kinds of things that I use online. But I, I use this for my regular time with God. I use a paper Bible, and I have my phone there, too, to, to look up different translations. But one of the things that's nice about this paper Bible is you can see more uh, text at one time than you can on any kind of mobile device. 
See, you can see the top left of that page, the bottom right of that page, and you get to know the Word better, simply because you can just see more of it at a glance, okay? And then you can underline things, you can flip through it, so I really want to encourage you to, to get a hold of the Word. It will help you experience God. It's a love letter to you, okay? It's God's promises to you, and you can't experience His promises if you don't know what they are, right? All right, so God is good. So we see the world through the eyes of Jesus, and we live in the world by faith in the promises of God. Proverbs 4.18. This describes our lives. It says the way of the righteous. Now, don't make the mistake of thinking that we think we're righteous in of ourselves. We don't. We have no righteousness in of ourselves. But anybody regardless of where they're from, if they will receive, put their faith in God's sacrifice, Jesus Christ, they, the, the, God takes their sins away and gives them his righteousness. Okay? So this applies to anyone who's put their faith in Christ. We become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. How does that happen? Because God is endless. God's provision for you has no limits. God wants to do things in your life that are beyond what you've asked or imagined. Isn't that amazing? I mean, we've got a big imagination, don't we? But God's bigger. Jennifer talked about, uh, you know, beautiful homes and gardens how do you see your future? Do you see a beautiful home and gardens and, and being well provided for? God wants you to get a vision for your life. When you get a vision of how God sees your future, it puts hope in your heart, strength. It gives you a, a, a motivation to, to go through the day and to overcome things that might come against you. So we, uh, we live by faith in the promises of God. It's not um, an untangible, off-in-the-distance kind of faith. It's a daily faith. It's a moment-by-moment faith that when we get up in the morning, we're putting our trust in the promises of God for God to lead and guide us throughout the day, to protect us, to strengthen us, to provide for us, and to move us forward in His plan and purpose for our lives. God has made promises to us. And what is a promise? It's simply God has declared that he wants to use his power to make your life better. God wants to use his power, his resources to make your life continually brighter. Isn't that awesome? I went to church my whole life as a young person, never heard this, but this is the gospel. God wants to use his power to make your life get better and better and better. Now, you know that this life was, it was never meant to be lived on our own. We were never meant to live this life in our own strength. That's why Jesus came. He said, I came that they might have life and life abundantly. If we were supposed to do this in our own strength, we would have had no need for Jesus to come. 
Right? This life was never meant to be lived separate from God. It's meant to be in union, to be lived in union with Him. Okay? Did you know that fear is trying to put your light out? It is. There are spirits of fear in the world. The, 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 the battle that we have in the world, the horrible things that we see going on, is ultimately because of what's going on in the spirit realm. Man is not the problem. There are spirits of darkness. Jesus said Satan is the prince of this world, the ruler of this world. Yes, Paul said the God of this world, right? That's the problem. There are spirits of wickedness in heavenly places that want to put your light out, that want to steal from you, discourage you, depress you, make you sick, do whatever they can to keep you from experiencing God's plan for your life. But we're not going to let that happen, are we? Why? Because God has provided for you supernatural protection. Supernatural provision and victory in your daily lives. He's provided that for you, how? Through Christ. John chapter 16. This is one of the last scriptures we went over last week. Let's pick up there. John chapter 16. So fear is trying to put your light out, but the good news is God has provided for you supernatural protection, provision, and victory in this world through Christ. John chapter 16, verse 33. These are the words of God, all right? God himself in the flesh, the true knowledge of God, the way, the truth, and the life is speaking, and this is what he said. I have told you these things. He's given us his word. Why did you give us your word, Jesus? So that in me, when you put your faith in Christ, you're living your life in him. Okay? We're in him. It's in Colossians, it says our lives are hidden with Christ in God. God becomes your shelter. He becomes your shield. He becomes the one who surrounds you. All right? I've told you these things so that in me you may have what? Perfect peace. You remember what the Greek word means there, right? Arene. It means wholeness, well-being, prosperity. So Jesus, God in the flesh, says, I've given you my word so that you could be in me. So that through relationship with me, you can have perfect wholeness, well-being, prosperity, and confidence. Do you feel confident after you watch the news on TV? Right? When you hear some of the latest reports? No, there's no confidence in that. The world is an uncertain place right? The world is a dangerous place, but we're not afraid. In the world, he said, you have tribulation as opposed to in me, right? In the world, you have tribulation, trials, distress, and frustration. Look at this, but be of good cheer. Don't ever make the mistake of thinking that joy is a personality trait. 
It comes through faith in the promises of God. Constant faith. Real joy. Joy that nothing can shake. And I say that because some people say, well, I'm just not a happy person, right? That's just some people are happy and some people are not. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying be of good cheer. The Philippians 4 says rejoice in the Lord always. This is for everybody, right? Don't disqualify yourself from joy. It's available to you, and it comes by you making a daily decision to learn the promises of God, to keep your faith in them to resist the darkness of this world and to stand on what God has promised you. So he says, be of good cheer, and I like this, take courage. Grab a hold of it. Take it. Keep it. Don't let anyone take it from you. Be confident. Be certain. Be undaunted. Why, Jesus? For I have overcome the world. Right? This is the Amplified Translation. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you. (laughs) I love it. And have conquered it for who? Yeah, God had no other reason to do what he did but for us. You got to know that. God wasn't trying to prove anything. He wasn't trying to, to justify himself or redeem himself. God is perfect, always has been, always will be. He did what he did for you. You've got to know that. So Jesus says, I've deprived the world of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. What a statement, huh? But you know, he talked like this. Let's look at another place, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's the third book in the New Testament. They call them the Gospels. And you'll find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, you'll find Jesus, God in the flesh. It's the best place to go to learn God's will for your life regarding his, why he came, health, strength, love, provision, prosperity. Because when you're looking at Jesus, you're looking at the will of God in the flesh. Luke chapter 10. So he said in 1633 of John, I've deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Now in Luke chapter 10 verse 18, his disciples are excited because he's given them authority over devils. If you read before that, we're not going to take the time to do it. And he, they're excited. They said, Jesus, the devils, even the devils are subject to us in your name. And he says in verse 18, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Verse 19, look at this statement now. Behold, in other words, pay attention. I want you to realize this, that I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. What kind of a statement is that? Does that sound crazy to you? If it does, it's just because you're unfamiliar with Jesus. He is a powerful, overcoming Savior. And he's given you that power through faith in him. Stay with me. Because someone might say, well, he just said that to, you know, just to those disciples for the first generation of the church just to get everything started. Au contraire, mon ami. Let's look at Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. This is how Jesus talks. 
See, his worldview, he sees through what's going on in the world and realizes that there's a spiritual realm. That the dangerous things in this world, actually, there's a spirit behind it. That Satan's trying to take us out. And he's given us protection from these things. Mark chapter 16, he's getting ready. He's resurrected from the dead. He's appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days. He's getting ready to go back to the Father. And he says to them in verse 17 of Mark chapter 16, and these signs shall follow who? Them that what? Ah, yeah. And I've heard people people say, I'm looking for signs. And one of the reasons people are looking for signs is because they don't believe. They automatically follow. I'm not craving a supernatural experience because I'm with God every day. I see him moving in my life. See? So signs, the the manifestation of God's presence happens automatically when you believe. You don't have to search for it. All right? So we're not looking for signs. We're, We're focusing on the promises of God. The signs follow. So these signs shall follow. It's a done deal. It's guaranteed. Jesus says so. Them that believe, look what they do. Those that believe, they they cast out devils, they speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Wow. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, I've seen some news stories, whether they're true or not, I don't know, I've never been there in person, but of some churches somewhere in America that will take scriptures like this and they'll go out and capture rattlesnakes and put them in cages and they'll bring them into their church services and pick them up. That's foolishness. That's not what Jesus is instructing us to do. I want you to understand that. See, that's what Satan was trying to do in the wilderness. If you'll find when he tempted Jesus, he tries to twist the word of God. And he told Jesus, he said, he brought him up to the the, the pinnacle of the temple. And he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, right, for the word of God says that he will command his angels concerning you and they will, they will guard you so you won't even strike your foot against the stone. Jesus didn't give in to that. He said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. In other words, we don't go out trying to, uh, trying to find trouble to see if God's word works. However, if trouble comes our way, we're safe. It doesn't matter if, if we get bit by a, a viper doesn't matter if we're persecuted and, and try, they try and execute us. Whatever the situation is, we are protected through Christ. We're going to show you some examples in the Word. This is, this is powerful. It says religion can't go here. Okay, we're going where religion doesn't go. We'll boldly go where no man has gone before. Whew. That's Star Trek. Okay, very good. Yeah, this is a supernatural protection. We see this from Genesis to Revelation. Paul, the apostle Paul, gathering wood for a fire and axe, it says a viper grabbed his hand. And the natives of that island thought he, she was a, that, that, that was judgment being rendered to him, that he was going to die. He shook that poisonous snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. That's what Jesus is talking about. We go through each day living our life following Christ, and if something comes our way, we're not afraid, we're kept safe, we're protected in him, it shall by no means harm us. Stay with me. This is good. Good. All right? Let's keep on going forward here. So uh, Mark chapter 16, let's go to 1 John 4, chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. So if you, and I hope you write these references down, so you can go home and study them. 
John 16, 33, Luke 10, 18, 19, Mark 16, verses 17 and 18. Man, just, just or, 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 or send a, you know, text yourself. Get these, get these references down. Study them. Get them in your heart, and you won't be afraid anymore. All right? 1 John 4, 4, what does it say? You are of God. Whew. Little children. You're born of God and have overcome them. Who have you overcome? Yeah, the spirits of darkness, right? Satan and his demons. You've overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. So knowing the promises of God, I mean, you've got them in your heart. You spend time meditating on them. You, you, you are um, practicing them, applying them to your life, knowing the promises of God, knowing who you are in Christ makes you fearless, strong, and supernatural. And religious people get upset at this. They think that supernatural is something that has to do with witchcraft and other things. Right. Well, that's supernatural, but God is supernatural. In other words, there's a good side to the supernatural, and there's a bad side of the supernatural. There's darkness, and there's light. God is light, and he has provided supernatural protection for us in this world. And I know this is not popular, but stay with me. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power. Love and a sound mind. Knowing who we are in Christ makes us fearless, strong, powerful, supernatural people. <laughs> Some of you think this guy is crazy. He's really lost his mind now, right? It's just because you might be unfamiliar with God's promises. They're not weak, little mamby-pamby things. They're life-producing, delivering, powerful promises. So, 1 Peter 2.9. Do you guys know that scripture? 1 Peter 2.9. Can you put that up there, Eden? Knowing who we are in Christ. So 2 Timothy 1.7 said God's not given us a spirit of fear. So that's not who we are. He's given us power, love, and a sound mind. Do you think of yourself? Do you think of yourself as powerful? Not little old me. Yeah, you. It's not us. It's Christ in us, Amen. right? Amen. We're one with him. He's given us power, love, and a sound mind. Now look at 1 Peter 2.9. I love this. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. I mean, that's, that's powerful. Uh, and holy nation, a peculiar People, that word peculiar in the Greek means a people for the specific purpose of. What's the purpose? That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Look at that in the Amplified, verse 9. That you might set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Somewhere along the line, a whole bunch of Christians bought the lie that Christianity is a community social organization. 
No, we are the chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that the glory of God would be shown through us. Can I give you a scripture to just change your life? As if these don't already. Daniel 11. The people that do know their God will hide in their bedrooms because of all the bad things that are going on in the world. Right? We'll, we'll build shelters in their basement and, not, and, and stock up food supplies because it's getting so bad out there. No. The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. This is who we are. I think we only have time today to look at one example in the Word, but we're going to look at some others next week. Let's do this. Let's go, to, let's go to Daniel. So you were designed, whether you realize it or not, for God's glory to shine through you. It's supernatural. You were designed to show the world that there's a better way to live. It's not about politics. It's not about what nation we're from. It's not about religion. It's about God's amazing love. And we were made to show that to the world. Are you in Daniel? All right. Go all the way to the beginning of Daniel. We're going to go to chapter 3. But love the book of Daniel. This is in the Old Covenant now, okay? And the Bible is full of real-life examples of what I've just been sharing with you. People supernaturally overcoming difficult situations. Why are they in the Bible? They're examples for us. God knows the, the world that we're living in. It was never His plan for the world to get to the place where it's been. But He's provided for us protection and victory in the midst of it. So we're fearless, strong people. We do exploits for God. Look at this. Daniel chapter 3. Well, let me tell you about Daniel first. So Daniel, it starts out by describing to us four young men. Daniel, and they're, they're better known by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his three friends. But Israel by this point was taken over by the Babylonian Empire. And these four young men are from the tribe of Judah. What tribe was Jesus from? Judah. Judah. And why did Jesus come from the tribe of praise instead of the tribe of law? Levi. Right? Because God desires relationship. Right? Not, 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 uh, not sacrifice. God wants to have a relationship with you. And praise is a part of that relationship. Right? So they came from the tribe of Judah. And these guys were sold out to God. They were fully committed to God. And no one could change their mind about it. No one. And because they were fully committed to God, they were fully committed to his promises. So now we go to Daniel chapter 3. This is powerful. Faith in God's promises brings a fearlessness to your life. An unwavering confidence, an unshakable joy, and a certainty. Daniel chapter 3. We're not, we don't have time to read the whole thing. We're going to read a good bit of it, though. But it begins by telling us about King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylonian Empire. 
And for whatever reason, he decides to create a huge idol, like 90 feet high, made of gold. This must have been an impressive looking thing. And he makes a decree that this is the idol that is to be worshipped when the, when the musicians begin to play. And then when they hear the sound of this music, they're to bow down and to worship this. And then he says, and whoever does not bow down and worship this gold idol which I have made, they will be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. That's what devil, the devil does. He wants to intimidate you through the fear of death. But guess what? As Christians, we have no fear of death. First Corinthians 15, 55, it says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Right? The worst thing that could ever happen to us on planet Earth is that, that if somehow we missed it and, and our, uh, died prematurely or, or somehow we, we, were, we lost our, our physical body, stopped working, we would be immediately in the presence of God. And did you know that God's plan for your life doesn't stop after your mortal body stops? All the gifts that you have inside of you, the dreams, the visions, the plans, the potential, that's going to continue when we pass into the next phase of this thing. In other words, the talents and things you have that you've been developing and using, God has plans for you in heaven that are absolutely going to thrill you beyond what you've ever dreamed. So if you're a businessman now, wait till you see the businesses that God has for you to run. See, God put those gifts in you. Not to all of a sudden stop and then you just go to heaven and stand there. You know, pick up your harp and just do this for eternity. No, he made you. You're a being made in his image, and you're full of potential and gifts that you can't exhaust this side of heaven. God's deposited eternal things in you. And you just watch. But nevertheless, so the worst thing, the worst thing that could happen to us is we'd be immediately in the presence of God. So we don't have any fear. None. Nothing man can do to us. What can man do to us? Kill the body big deal, right? So we're not afraid, but God has provided protection for our body. So in in Daniel chapter 3, we'll go to verse 12 to save time. So there's these certain Jews whom thou hast said, they're they're, they're making a report to the king. So some tattletales come to the king, right? They say, king, right? There's these Jewish fellows, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're not listening to you, right? They're not worshiping your image. And Nebuchadnezzar listens to these tattletales, and he gets mad, verse 13. Right? He said, bring them to me. I'll teach them. Right? And so they bring the tattletales, go out and get these three fellas that are fully committed to God, have no fear, know the God. They're doing exploits. And in verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar speaks to these men who are fully committed to God. He's the king of the empire, most powerful man on the planet. And he's speaking to these three men that he is ruling over, okay? And he says to them, uh, what's he say? Verse 14, oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do you not serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I've set up? Verse 15, now I want you to pay close attention to this because religion has robbed people of the fearless confidence I'm trying to help you 
develop. All right? The king is about to set up a condition based on two ifs. All right? I'm telling you, pay attention here. This will help you. The king begins with his two ifs, his first if. Now if you're ready at the time you hear the music and you fall down and worship the image which I've made, you're all, everything's all set, right? Everything's just peachy. That's the first if. So what's the first if? If you, you're ready, you hear the music, and you fall down and worship, everything's going to be fine. You got the first if. It's very important. I know this is simple, but religion has messed this up. All right? You'll see why in just a moment. Okay, so that's the first thing. Now, then he continues, but if you worship not. This is the second if. Okay? If you worship not, which is different than the first if, if you do worship, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Oh, no. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Right? And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Nebuchadnezzar doesn't know this God. So he's expecting them to say, oh, sorry, king. You know, right? So what's the scenario? If you worship, everything's fine. If you don't worship, fiery furnace, you're dead. Isn't that simple? I'll show you how religion's missed it. Here we go. They're about to answer the most powerful man in the world at that time. See, I imagine myself in situations like this. Because we've got, we've got the same power in us, right? Okay, so here's verse 16. The last thing that he said to them is what God can deliver you out of my hands. And I love it. Here we go. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful. You are, we, we don't sweat you. Right? We're not careful to answer thee in this matter. They're not being disrespectful. They're just letting them know who their God is. We're not careful to answer you in this matter. If it be so, what was the first if? Right? If he throw, well, excuse me, the second if. The second, he, he, the king ended with the second if. Right? He said, I'm going to throw you into the furnace and no God can deliver you. So they're responding to his second if. You follow me? If it be so, in other words, if you throw us into the burning furnace, okay, you following me? Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand. Okay. Do they sound unsure about that? Did they hesitate at all? I, I didn't, I, we can't see them, but I know their knees weren't knocking, right? Because of the way they're speaking. Now, this is where religion missed it. Some of your translators, the King James translates this correctly. The next verse. In the Hebrew, it says, but if not. That's all it says. Some of your translations says, but if he does not deliver us. That is absolutely incorrect. That is not in the Hebrew. That is an error in translation. This is correct, okay? This is what the Hebrew says. But if not, if not what? If you don't throw us into the furnace. You see the difference? They just got finished saying that if you throw us into the furnace, our God will deliver us. Somewhere, somewhere, one of the Bible translators came along in some translations, not all of them, 
and said, but if God does not deliver us. What did they just say? Our God will deliver us. But if not, if you do not throw us into the furnace. Are you following me? Does this make sense? Sometimes it's hard to plow through religious thinking because you've heard it so much, you know, but you've got to plow through it. So if you throw us in the furnace, our God will deliver us. If you don't throw us into the furnace, right? Be it known unto you, O king, we still won't serve your gods. We still won't worship down. See how silly. Let's say that, that that wrong translation was correct. That would make no sense. This is how silly religion is. When you just take a step back and look at what it's really saying, can you imagine if they said to them, okay, if you throw, if, uh, what's the first thing he said? If you throw us into the furnace, God will deliver us. But if not, and we burn up into little ashes, we still won't serve your gods. They're not going to do anything if God doesn't deliver them, right? What happens when you go into a burning furnace? You're gone, right? Can you do anything after that? No. You see, I want you to see that, okay? What I'm trying to get you to see is there is a fearlessness that comes through faith in God's promises. You can't be threatened. You can't be made afraid. Do you see the difference? All right? So if you throw us in, God will protect us. If you don't throw us in, we're not going to serve your gods. That's why he got so mad, Nebuchadnezzar, after that. And he said, heat up that furnace, right? He got mad because they're being defiant to him. They, he, as far as they're concerned, they're not going to give in to his requests, all right? They, now, these guys knew the promises of God, wouldn't you say? In fact, Isaiah was written about 100 years before Daniel, and it says in Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3, which I'm sure they were familiar with, it says, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. Look at verse 2. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, this was a hundred years before this happened or more. God knows what we go through, doesn't he? When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, for I am the Lord thy God, thy Savior. You see the heart of God here. He knew what they would face. He's giving them his word because in his word is the protection you need to overcome the things that you may be facing. Okay? Let's finish it up. Daniel chapter 3, verse 22. So the king is now furious. These guys are not giving in. He, and he says, heat up, the, heat up the furnace exceeding hot. And the flame was so hot that the men that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace died from the heat. And verse 23, these three men, they fell bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Verse 24, then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. Verse 25. Look at this now. This is Isaiah, what we just read in, in, in real life here. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men. What did God say in Isaiah? When you walk through the fire, I'm with you. Four men in the fire. Walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. That's supernatural. This is what Jesus was talking about. 
right? In John 16, John 14, Mark 16, Luke 10, all throughout the Gospels. And they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Wow, Jesus showed up in the furnace, just like he said he would. Isn't that awesome? He's with them, and the, they have no hurt. Verse 27, the princes, governors, and captains, kings, counselors gathered together. They saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power. Woo! Yeah, what did Jesus say back in 1630? I've overcome the world. I've deprived it of power to harm you and conquered it for you. I know this sounds crazy, but this is what we have in Christ. It was written of the Apostle John. They tried to execute him they, through poison, and it didn't work. They tried to, one, one account I heard that they tried to boil him, and it didn't work. They exiled him to the Isle of Patmos where he wrote Revelation. We're fearless, strong people. We're not arrogant. We're not disrespectful, but we're sure of our God. We're of power and love, Right? So verse 28, I like it says, and delivered his soul. So Nebuchadnezzar, he begins to praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, who sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word. See, when we stand in faith, things change in the world. Things change. People change their minds about God when they see his glory revealed in us. (laughs) See? That's why the devil wants to put your light out and intimidate you and make you be afraid and and build a shelter in your basement and hide there with your canned goods. No! We're strong, fearless people. We're supernatural, man. We're supernatural. We're walking on the water with Jesus. And then verse 29, I like how he says that, because there is no other God, the end of the verse, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. They, they taught Nebuchadnezzar something very important, didn't they? All right? There's no other God that can deliver like this. So welcome to the supernatural. Welcome to new life in Christ, to newness of life. And we're going to celebrate tonight at our baptism. I'm so excited about that. And I encourage you, if, if you do want to get water baptized, to sign up as you leave at the info table on your left. And or if you just want to come and celebrate with us. But the reason I bring that up now is because this is what we're celebrating, newness of life. When we put our faith in Christ, we were made new. That we too might walk in the same life and strength that he walked in. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your victory. We thank you, Lord God, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. And Jesus, we are are thrilled to know you, to be living on planet Earth in the midst of everything that's going on, but to know with with absolute assurance that you are our shield, you are our fortress, you are our protection, and that we were made for your glory to shine through us. And we say, be magnified in our lives. Be glorified. Be exalted, Lord. Thank you for your light shining brightly in us and for your glory manifest in us 
individually and in our families and in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Realizing who we are in Christ makes us fearless, strong, supernatural people. We're born of God, His very own people that we should show forth His glory in the earth. Those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Amen.